welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pot of thunder and rock and roll, and there's a new wrestling show on Stars, a scripted drama called Heels, starring Stephen Amell, who you guys probably know from the CW series Arrow. He played Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow, on that show for eight seasons. He also wrestled in AEW. He also wrestled in WWE, and now he's playing one of the brothers who run a wrestling promotion in the new Stars show Heels. I got Steven on Talk is Jericho today. Finally, we've been talking about doing it for years, talking about his involvement in Heels and how his real-life wrestling experience has helped him bring this new character and this new show to life. We talk a lot about the real matches that Steven has had, once again, in WWE with Cody Rhodes and Neville and the feedback he got from Triple H after that show. You'll also hear about his interaction with Vince McMahon. Steven's also sharing the story uh, with about his match with the Young Bucks, Cody and Christopher Daniels at Ring of Honor. And then how he got involved in All In in Chicago a few years ago. Uh, he's been around for a while in the wrestling business. He's been a lifelong wrestling fan. And he grew up watching in Canada. Of course, we all watch wrestling in Canada as kids. He's got some favorite wrestlers and matches to discuss. And of course, we talk about the DC Universe, Green Arrow, the fans, the whole superhero comic book culture. Great conversation with Stephen Amell coming up. And more great Fozzie gigs coming up on the Save the World Tour. The first four shows were uh, incredible. Sold out, close to sold out, jam-packed. People went nuts enjoying the new song, the Vulture Club that we're playing. Uh, so it's been a really, really great start to the tour. And there are f- tickets left for the upcoming shows. We're in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania tomorrow night, Thursday, September 9th. Tickets are almost sold out for that. So uh, go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket info. Then we got the Apotomat Talks, Virginia, the Blue Ridge Rock Fest with Anthrax and Rob Zombie. Uh, we got Baltimore at the Soundstage on the 11th. Pittsburgh at Jurgles is sold out on the 12th. Buffalo Ironworks on the 13th. That one is very close to selling out. So get your tickets at FozzyRock.com and go check out all the rest of the dates. And VIP, There's uh, we opened up some more VIPs, so those are available now. So go check it out. Flint sold out. Cleveland sold out. Johnson City sold out. Uh, but there are tickets available for all the rest of the shows. Through Fire, Royal Bliss are joining us for the dates. FozzyRock.com, all the ticket info and VIP meet and greet info as well. Most are sold out, but you might get lucky, so check the website. And speaking of sold out, our UK tour is almost completely sold out starting November 30th. Uh, actually, 29th in Liverpool now at the Cavern Club. 30th in Manchester, England is almost sold out. But go check out Fozzy Rock and see all the places we're going, Newcastle, Glasgow, Dublin, Belfast, Birmingham, Wales, London, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All tickets and information, once again, at FozzyRock.com. All right, let's get to Stephen Amell and Heels right here on Talk is Jericho. So, actually, it's been a long time coming. It's funny because uh, the way that you're actually friends with someone nowadays is you talk to them on Twitter and you DM people. And I... We were trying to set this up, and I DM'd you, and I saw the last time that you and I had uh, spoken was like 2016, talking about doing this podcast. So yeah. this is a this is one that we've been waiting for for a long time. So it's good to finally have you here, as we're obviously both such busy guys. Yes. Well, thank you. We'll jump right into heels because I watched the first episode. It was really, really cool. I really enjoyed it, and to me. And quite honestly, it's a story that I've actually even been pitching for a while before Heels even was was uh, became a show. It's so obvious to me that somebody would do a show like this, but it's not something that's easy to sell because people don't understand exactly what goes on behind the scenes in wrestling. And to me, just like, I don't know, if you're talking about uh, Entourage and how it is in Hollywood, if you're talking about like, I don't care a thing about horse ranching, but I love Yellowstone with Kevin Costner because it's all about the family and the drama behind it. So how did you become involved with this show first and foremost, because it is such an interesting topic and subject? Well, the simple answer is that they offered it to me. And, <laughs> right. But the, I mean, the longer answer is that it's, it's a project done by Michael Waldron who uh, just wrapped up his first season of Loki, is doing the new Doctor Strange movie, is doing some of the Star Wars stuff and the Marvel stuff coming coming about. I mean, he grew up in Georgia. He wrote the show. He fleshed it out. He came up with a great idea. It reads well on the page. And they offered it to me. And But they found me because of, I, I, be, I believe, because of some of the stuff that I got to do in wrestling back in, 2015 2016 when you and i were dming on twitter 
for the first time. <laughs> that, that's it. I, I wish I wish there was more, like something more profound. Like I had an epiphanous moment, and I came up with it. But it was all <laughs> on the page. It was it was all on the page. It was all there. They offered it to me, and I suggest. So it's interesting because I thought maybe that you might have been involved in the actual creation of the show, and I know that that's not the case. But you do have such an affinity for wrestling, and you have had wrestling experience. So it's a perfect mix to have you on that show. Well, thank you. I mean, it was, I, I, I'm not involved in the creative process, but I have been able to allow the producers to, and the showrunner to lean into me because I've had moments in the professional wrestling world that not a lot of people are privy to, um, be it being backstage. I mean, I, one of the moments that I, uh, think about a lot and pardon me if this is kayfabe but like chatting with you and kevin after your match at mania in orlando back in i guess it would have been 20 16 17 yeah yeah to talk with two wrestlers backstage after you know having a match in front of seventy thousand people and i looked at both of you and i thought you guys tore the fucking house down and both of you were being hypercritical of yourself and talking and going <laughs> through it. And I just, I, th these are moments that not a lot of people get to have. So, um, you know, when we got back into, when we got into the show and we got into some of the backstage stuff, I was just, I don't know, I was able to lean on some of those things. It's almost kind of method in a lot of different ways. Sure. You know, I, I don't know. I try to stay away from that word. Are you? A, <laughs> it's like, are you, a, are you being method when you're a heel in the business? I don't think so. Well, what is your affinity for wrestling? Because obviously, like we said, you've been, uh, you've appeared in WWE, you've appeared in AEW, you've worked in both companies. Kind of how did you get involved on that side of things? Well, it was, it was my thing starting in about 86 or 87. I, it, I was a, uh, Hulk Hogan and Mr. Perfect and Jake the Snake. And, um, you know, I, I distinctly remember going and watching WrestleMania five on closed circuit TV at Maple Leaf Gardens at the hot stove <laughs> lounge. Nice. And then actually being in the building for WrestleMania six. And then your, your fandom kind of ebbs and flows, you know, so I got out of it a little bit, but then got back to it during the attitude era and then got out of it a little bit again, but then you wind your way back when all of a sudden you become friends with a guy like Cody Rhodes and all of a sudden you're at Nassau Coliseum at a Monday Night Raw and you're thrust into things and that's it. I mean, I feel like you probably hear that story a lot of someone like I was a lifelong fan, you know, sure. I took like a two or three year sabbatical, but then I came back just like you actually in the professional wrestling world, then you're, you're all, you're all the way, you're all the way in and you take a little sabbatical and then you come back, <laughs> but you're never really all the way out. But it's no, funny though. Not. I, I, I went to uh, WrestleMania four in Toronto at Maple Leaf Gardens. They had it on closed circuit yeah. and I was there. I went there with my friends for on a big screen, right? On a big screen. Yeah. This was like the pre pay-per-view where instead of ordering it to watch at your house, you would buy a ticket and go watch it on a big TV screen at the gardens. And I, I went there with a couple of my friends for spring break. And we're like, we got to go to WrestleMania four, dude. And <laughs> Toronto with Toronto is always a big wrestling. That's where you're from, right? It's Toronto. Yeah. Th th and that's the first wrestling show that I went to. The first wrestling show that I went to was at Maple Leaf gardens. It was a house show and it was headlined by, uh, I, I, I want to say it was warrior versus Andre the giant, the classic, uh, one minute match. The, I was there. I saw it too in Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. clotheslined him once. He clotheslined him twice. He gave him the splash, one, two, three, and he ran out of the ring, and that was it. Everyone was just going, what just happened? It's over already? And, and by the way, like I, I feel like, was that the Honky Tonk Man match from SummerSlam? No, that was Andre the Giant. What happened? Do I have to go home now, Dad? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So when, when you ended up, like you said, so did you meet Cody? Was he doing something on, uh, on Arrow, on Green Arrow? No, I mean, Cody, when he was doing the Stardust gimmick, the whole thing was that he was supposed to be a supervillain. Mm -hmm. So uh, he and I he followed each other on Twitter. And there you go. We <laughs> see. Okay. We DM'd. And then he was like, come on. I was filming in New York at the time. And he's like, come on out. And I, I came out to Nassau Coliseum. It was the Monday Night Raw on the Monday of, of uh, Memorial Day weekend. And when I got there, I was just excited to have good seats for a show. And he said to me, he said, uh, Vince gave me permission to hiss at you. 
during my segment. I went, okay. <laughs> and that, that was it. I mean, we, and we just became <laughs> friends from there. So was your first match, was it a WrestleMania that you did something at or was it a, a SummerSlam? What, SummerSlam 2015. And what was, what, you actually were in a match, right? Yeah, it was me and uh, Neville versus Stardust and King Barrett. So kind of tell me about that because to have your first match and obviously first and foremost, you're acting. So you're not trained, quote unquote, as a wrestler. But here you are kind of debuting at one of the biggest shows of the year. What kind of a crash course did you get to be ready for that? I went out to a house show in Victoria, B.C. on a Saturday and worked in the ring with, uh, gosh, Cody was there, Kofi Big E, Big Show was there, Paul was there, Arn Anderson was helping us put it together, Paige was out there as well, and we just tried to fake it. Basically, it's like, what can you do? Well, I can springboard. Okay, well, if Cody gives you a backflip, can you land on your feet? Yeah. And we just basically built out 10 to 15 beats for me and just ran them and ran them and ran them. Mm -hmm. And then I went to the house show the next day in Vancouver. And then I went to Raw the next evening in Everett, Washington. And then I had to take a week off because I went, I was filming at the time. And then I flew to Brooklyn for the Sunday night show. How was it for you to do a live kind of one take performance? Because I know I did something with Mickey Rourke at WrestleMania okay. 375, <laughs> whatever the hell it was. <laughs> and he, uh, he wanted to go over. It was, he was punching me in the face and he kept wanting to do it again and again and, and see what kind of an angle. And he, obviously coming from a trained actor's point of view, where, you know, well, the, yeah. let me just try this way. Let me think of this way. I'm like, dude, there's one chance. Like, there is no second take. And it was a little bit strange, I think, to get into the mode of, like, this is completely live. If it's not completely perfect, there's no take two, and there's no let's try it from this camera or that camera. Did you have the same kind of feeling, or what, were you very more uh, naturally attuned? I understood that it was live. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I really can't overstate. It was terrifying. Mm -hmm. It really, really was. Because when we were in Everett, Washington, so basically what the setup for the match was that, you know, I was the, the special guest at Raw. Cody comes down, he comes up to me, he face washes me, and then I jump in the ring. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to hop the barricade. I wanted to jump on the apron, hop over the top rope, and then tackle him. Right. And Road Dog was booking the segment for us. And he was like, well all right, he's going to face wash you, but then hop the barricade, slide under the bottom rope. And I went, no, I want to jump up on the apron. I want to hop over the top <laughs> rope. And he goes, no, 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 slide under the bottom rope. And I went, no. And I looked at Cody. And I'm like, what the f man? And he said, Rodok said, he goes, look, you can jump up on the apron if you want. You can fly over the top rope if you want. But if you miss the jump to get on the apron, or you miss going over the top rope, you do not have a match at SummerSlam. Hmm. I get it. And that's when I realized that it was live. And that's the, if, if there's one thing that I want to take back from that match, it's that I was so nervous when I actually got in the ring at SummerSlam that I, I legitimately forgot to get in the ring. Like when you see me come out, you'll notice <laughs> that I forget to get in the ring. Whereas, in, whereas when I was in Everett, Washington on Raw, it was just like I literally just went for it and shoulder tackled him and, and tried to hammer his face and cut him because that's also what Road Dog told me to do. But I always understood that it's like this is live. And if I forgot it, I wasn't the first one in the ring at the match at SummerSlam, but I could hear people in the crowd in Brooklyn being like, you scared? <laughs> you want to get in there? You can't wrestle, buddy. And I remember wanting to turn around going, I haven't even gotten in the ring yet. But, but I, I was I was very aware that there was no take two. But the thing is, you, you have respect for the business, obviously, because you came up as a fan and you are a fan. And we, we went through the Raw, probably was 2008 or nine, where we would have guests, celebrity guest hosts for the week, like Saturday Night Live kind of. And you would get, because I was funny, I just watched Dusty Hill just passed away from, from ZZ Top. And I watched a segment that we did when they guest hosted in you can tell they're having so much fun. They get it. They respect the business. So there's a kind of a mutual society there. 
And then there was a lot of guys who came in that were just doing it, you could tell, because they were told to be there by their publicist. And that kind of puts like, oh, really? You know, so, but I think it would seem to me because you have respect, it's like me going onto a, a, a movie set. Like, I know that I'm a little bit over my head, but if I do the right thing, I'll do a great job. But if you come in with kind of like a know it all mentality, you're probably not going to succeed very well. So it seemed to me that you probably fit in pretty well with the guys and with everybody because you do have that respect. Well, thank you. And I do. And from Cody's perspective, Cody was like, yeah, you're good. You can walk into any locker room anywhere in the world and you're going to be respected as a wrestler. And I was like, why is that? He goes, because when you came on the road with us, you changed in the locker room. Yeah. And you didn't ask for your own space. And I was like, right. Okay. Well, that seems pretty simple, but Am I, am I wrong? Like, apparently that's a, that's a, that's a big thing. You know, there's a whole strange, and I'm sure you kind of focus because we'll talk about, you also work for ring of honor as well, which I forgot you've been through all the companies, but there, it's not even strange. There's, there's a certain kind of code of ethics that you follow uh, in the wrestling business, but there's not a, a, a book to hand out to guys or like someone who's going to sit you down and go, here's Stevens, what you got to do. If you want to, you know, so a lot of people do come in and probably don't even think twice. Of course, I've got my own dress room because I'm, you know, the lead on a TV show. Why wouldn't I have my own trailer? But it's not like that in wrestling. And, and you really do have to kind of prove yourself to the guys that you're one of the guys. Yeah, I got to know a couple of members of the Toronto Blue Jays a couple of years ago, and they were nice enough to have me for for batting practice. And, you know, I went out took batting practice and I was with a group of like five guys. And uh, after batting practice was over, all the players started running out and started collecting some of the balls that were ricocheted off the, off the netting or whatever that just didn't yeah, go yeah. very far. And I was just standing there for a second. And my buddy on the team looked at me because I, I didn't know. He, he goes, don't fucking big time us come out, pick up the balls with us. And I was like, oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I went and did it. Yeah, and it's 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 the same thing. Although I suspect that more often than not, like when I was with the WWE, they definitely tried to give me the star treatment, and I was like, no, I'm I'm good. I want to hang with the with the boys and girls and and pick their brains. Apparently, that's an important thing, which I'm happy about. I'll be on. So, did you kind of just follow Cody around as for, for for not following around, but like it seems like. When he went to Ring of Honor, that was your next appearance was was in Ring of Honor. And when he went to AEW, your next appearance, is he kind of calling you saying, hey, dude, I got an idea for you to do something with us? Is this more you reaching out? I mean, he and I did our thing in 2015 with WWE. And we were were hoping to have an additional match at a pay-per-view. I think the paper, not the pay-per-view after SummerSlam, but the, the one thereafter. It was supposed to be in L.A., and it was going to be a singles match, and it just got yanked for reasons that remain a mystery. But we stayed in touch, and then he did an arc on Arrow. And so we stayed in touch there. And this is when he was going through the whole independent circuit and right. created his list of people that he wanted to that he wanted to wrestle. And we just stayed in touch. And then when All In came around, which was after Ring of Honor, again, we had just stayed in touch, and we were just we were just buddies. So it, it would just come out of us. I mean, you stayed at my house in LA for a little bit when, when I, when I wasn't there, it was him and Brandy <laughs> that were there and I wasn't there, but we just, I don't know. We, we just stayed in touch and stayed buddies and, uh, you know, still are. One more thing about, about SummerSlam. Did you have any interactions with, uh, with Vince McMahon at all? Other than him walking out of his room and saying, well, this is real exciting. And shaking my hand, no, <laughs> which bummed me out because if there was if there was one guy, one guy that I really wanted to meet, it would have been Vince. I feel like, I, I, yeah, it is a a, a, lar- a larger than life character for sure, and that's something very uh, Vince. Can I ask you a question? What was sure. what was your first and what was your first interaction with Vince like? Because I I saw on because we're coming up on I I I believe, and I, I'm sorry if I'm sorry if I'm dating you here, but I I feel like. I follow the on this day in WWE history, and I feel like we just hit the 20 year mark on your debut. We did. In Chicago. We did. Yeah. Yeah. So, but tell me, please. So, I was living in Calgary at the time, and uh, I was working for WCW, and Calgary had this big pay per view called the Stadium 
can't remember. There was something stampede, stampede, something or other. It was one of the famous. As in, like, as in, like, stampede wrestling. No, no, no. It was a, it was a WWE pay per view in Calgary, and the main event was the Hart Foundation when there was five of them against Austin and the Road Warriors and Gold Dust and somebody and Ken Shamrock. It was a really big deal, and the crowd was. I remember they were just crazy. So I went down there just to. You know, I always wanted to work for WWE and I was working for WCW and I didn't really know anybody in WWE, but I was like, oh, I'll just go down there and just hang out and see. I got in trouble for it the next day from, from Eric Bischoff, but uh, I just saw Vince standing there and I, I I didn't know what to say, but I was like, I want him to see me, you know, I'll, like do some of these pump ups with my arms and like, you know, try and look as big as I can. And I just, I remember I went up to him and I said, uh, are you enjoying, I said, I'm Chris Jericho. And of course he probably went, this, you know, this is very exciting. Or whatever he told you, and then I said, <laughs> and then I said, uh, how how do you like my town? Like Calgary's my town, even though it's not. Like, I'm from Winnipeg, and I lived in Calgary <laughs> for a few years. And I remember going, yes, I like Calgary very much. And then he was kind of doing something. He's like, I got to go to work. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And I walked away. I remember I'm thinking like, was that a good interaction? Was that a bad interaction? Is he going to call me tomorrow and ask me for a job? And is of course he had no idea who i was and didn't remember a damn thing but <laughs> that was kind of the first time i ever met him you know you're scared right like what do you say what do you do yeah i didn't know what to do go ahead <laughs> did you get good feedback from your SummerSlam appearance i did I, I i did from you know wrestling fans i i remember two things distinctly after well i remember a bunch of things afterwards one was uh seth rollins coming in to congratulate me on my match and then sheepishly asking if he could use the restroom because, <laughs> because they actually did give me my own one. And he's going out, he's going out to wrestle Cena for the, I think it was, uh, he won two titles that night. I think it was for the United States championship. I did a, a two sweet picture with, uh, with triple H backstage and he was, mm. and he posted it on his Twitter that just said respect. Mm. And the main thing that I'll never forget, is walking back through Gorilla and getting an ovation. Mm. I'll never forget it. Like it, it just it it destroyed me. I was like, oh my god, this is so amazing. So the the feedback feedback was good. I faked it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I faked it and I made it. But that's kind of like you know when I worked with the Groundlings. I mean, you got some of the greatest improv comics on the world. And if you yeah, you know, if you keep your mind open and keep your stick on the ice, proverbially you'll do okay because they can kind of help and lead you through it. Kind of the same yeah. as a wrestling match. Are you a hockey fan? Yeah, of course. I'm Like I said, I'm from Winnipeg. So, well, there it is. I, okay. Yeah. Well, if you're out there with the jets, okay. It doesn't matter if you, if you're wobbling on skates, if someone feeds you a perfect one timer into an empty net, you can probably pot it. And then all of a sudden you scored a goal in the NHL. But I mean, yeah, if the play keeps going and you, and you miss it and you have to, you have to skate backwards and play defense, you're going to get exposed. I, I so yeah. <laughs> they, they fed me the perfect pass. I one time into the net, and then I got the fuck out of there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Let me ask you this: You went to Ring of Honor as well, and you did a, the, the big match with the Elite. Was there a big difference between WWE and Ring of Honor, or for you, we're, we're now like it's your second match, or you get more into it and feeling more confident, or is it kind of the same as before, where you just want to make sure you don't mess up anything? I mean, that was a, that was an incredibly unique experience because I mean, it was I was. Cody, who's Kenny Omega with Matt and Nick, uh, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna forget someone along the way. But just, I mean, we were the main event. It was either five on four or six on five as a tag match. And yeah, five on four. Okay, there it is. And the whole thing was when we had our match at SummerSlam. It was like you guys have. 13 minutes bell to bell or curtain to curtain. I can't remember the expression in this one. It was like, how long are we going to go as long as we want period. And the match was like, I don't know, 45 minutes. It felt like, so we just got to do whatever we want. I got to interact with the crowd a little bit more and I really wanted to be, I really wanted to be present for it and, you know, go in for quick bursts and then come out because as an amateur, in this and as a newbie, you blow up anytime you go into the ring. <laughs> you just blow up because you forget to breathe and yeah. you get all stiff. And I just really wanted to be present. And I I couldn't be because the first thing that I did was get in the ring and 
through an RKO on either Chris Daniels or Frankie Kazarian. And I had never done an RKO before, let alone learn how to properly take a flat back bump. And I jacked my neck up so bad that I, I couldn't even hear anything for the rest of the match. Right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. I got on the apron. I get back out. I'm, I'm in and out in 18 seconds. And I get back out and I turn to to Matt of the Young Bucks and I go, is there steam coming off of my ears? And he goes, no, why? And I said, because I feel like there's steam coming off of my ears. My neck is so jacked up. And he goes, can you keep going? And I go, I mean, I can keep going, but the next several weeks are going to be really bad. (laughs) There it is. But Ring of Honor was great. It was in in San Antonio. And, um, you know, they got me a a Bullet Club tee with Vigilante Club on it, which I still see all the time at AEW and WWE shows, which (laughs) warms my heart every time. And we got to do like a little promo at the beginning with Cody and the crowd popped when I came out. And I mean, it was rad. I love those indie shows. Love them. Did you, when you go to do these matches at the time, if you're working with Arrow, did you have to get kind of permission from your producers, employers to do it? Were they worried about your physical safety at all? Did they just say, go ahead and do it? I mean, what's the expression? It's easier to uh, (laughs) ask for for forgiveness forgiveness than ask for for beg for forgiveness and ask for permission. Right. I didn't ask. I just didn't ask. And when I had my match against Christopher Daniels at, at all in, when I tried the coast to coast for the first time, I had prepped it, but I landed on my left hip Mm -hmm. and I suffered an occult fracture of it. And then, so that, that event is on a Saturday, I believe. And then I have to go back to work on a Monday or Tuesday. And I had to go to everyone. I had to call up our EPs and our directing producer and say, I hurt my hip really bad. I've been to the doctor. I've talked with him about it. I can't make it any worse. You cannot treat me any differently. And we were doing a super stunt heavy episode of the show. And I'm like, I know that I up here. (laughs) <laughs> do not bring it up with anybody. If you see me, li- if you see me limping around, that's fine. As far as you're concerned, I'm not injured, mm-hmm. but I should have asked for it thereafter. I just didn't even consider, but then you just, but then, so then you just got to work your way through it on set with arrow. And that's just the way it is. That was it. It sucked. But what are you going to do? Was there like, for me with a lot of the work that I've done character wise and stuff, obviously it's very deep acting you know, going back to the evil word of method and dropping in and all that sort of stuff. And I did use a lot of those techniques because in 2007, when I left WWE, 2005, 2007, I did study acting, not necessarily to, you know, become Schwarzenegger, but I really wanted to learn the craft and really applied a lot of that to future characters that I played and I still do. Did you see any similarities between acting and and wrestling that you were able to to use? Yeah, 100%. I thought a lot about actually the way that the way that you interact with the crowd, the way that Kevin Owens interacts with the crowd, the way that Flair interacts with the crowd. And I, yeah, it's just the, the whole thing is, is theater. And the thing that I loved most about being on heels or just being in the, I didn't get to do this when I was actually in the ring. Cause I was just, I was just too nervous. I mean, I'd, I'd love to go back now because I feel like I could actually take <laughs> take a little bit of a breath and, and get some reps. But I mean, at the time I couldn't think about any of those things. I, I couldn't, I could barely breathe, but I mean, it's the same. You go out there, you play a character. Right. And, and really go for it. What would you, what do you think? Did you like acting? Oh, big time. Yeah. I mean, and I, 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 people say like, Oh, I did a, like a couple of Kevin Smith movies last year. And Oh, how long have you been acting for? And it's like, I've been acting for freaking 30 years. I mean, you're playing the 100%. character of, Chris Jericho, every time you get like Ozzy plays the character of Ozzy when he goes on stage to sing, there, there has to be a different of a, a persona shift when you do this because you are out in front of a crowd and it's show business, right? So, um, yeah, I really always treated as playing a character. I always did. I tried to pitch them in the match and it hit the cutting room floor, but I tried to pitch them in the longer version of the match that I have in the first episode with Big Jim that opens the first episode of Heels. I tried to pitch them on a pen where I, I fully ripped you off, where it's just, I just 
put the one foot on top and go, mm-hmm. come on, baby, like that. And they're like, they're like, no, no one would ever do that. And I, and I pulled up footage. I pulled up footage of you doing it. And they're like, all right, well, you can't do it. Like, well, you have my full permission to use it. You tell those producers that move. Is that true? Yes, please. Okay, use it. thank you. Okay. <laughs> I actually got that move from, uh, I used to work in Japan and I was part of the evil heel faction called the Fuyuki Goon, which is team. And Fuyuki was the boss and he used to do that. He'd put his foot on the guy and he would just go. Dah! And every picture <laughs> you ever saw of Fuyuki, he would be like. Dah! So that was kind of my tribute to him. So I stole it from him and you're welcome to, to steal it from me. <laughs> Last question about your, about your actual wrestling time. You, I thought it was great. I was there at All In when you had your singles match against Cody. Now, once again, you went from a tag match to the 10 man tag. Now you're in a single match, another completely different style of wrestling that you had to kind of figure out and learn. Yeah. God bless Christopher Daniels for taking care of me in that match because I mean, we had the whole thing, we had the whole thing planned out. Uh, I could probably recite it right now (laughs) offhand, but I want to say two, three minutes into the match after sort of the initial onslaught, I blew up to the point where I couldn't get a breath. I said to him, I, I said, take me home. Let's go home. I can't, I, I can't remember a thing. And he went, he went, shut the f- up. I'll take care of you. And he just literally laid me on the ground and then just walked around the ring. Mm-hmm. And while he's doing this and taunting the crowd, he's telling me to breathe. And, and I finally sort of got my wits back about me, but it's so frustrating to go back and watch that match and look at like, I did the big table spot where, you know, obviously I, I set up the table and I jumped through and, and I miss, and I just think about like, I could have taken 45 seconds between him landing on the table, me climbing the ropes, looking out across the arena, like all that stuff. I didn't do that. I thought that I was going super slow. From the moment he gets on the table, I've climbed the ropes and crashed through the table in like four and a half seconds, including, including my time, including my time in the air. And I just think back to before I went out at SummerSlam, just think back to, to Hunter Triple H coming up to me and going, if you think you're going too fast, just slow down. When you think you're going too slow, slow down more. And when you're absolutely positive that you're going way too slow, slow it way down. And it's such great advice. And I didn't, listen to it at all i couldn't but isn't isn't that similar to delivering your lines you know like in, yes, in, if you're is. doing a scene right isn't it yeah yeah the, the the best thing that i've learned about acting and the thing that i cherish most about where i've gotten in the process is that i'm actually able to slow down and to think and to react and I'm in an elevated position and my adrenaline is surging because I'm on set and I'm doing a cool scene and something exciting is happening, but my, I'm still in my body Mm -hmm. and I'm still able to listen and react and be thoughtful when I'm in the wrestling ring still to this point, it's all just white noise outside of here. When I crashed to the table, I thought that I was laying on the ground, hyperventilating, so fired up. And I literally thought the crowd in Chicago was chanting "You Arrow." Yeah, you They were chanting "Broken Arrow." When I went back and watched it, they were chanting "Broken Arrow." But everything is so in my head. I think they're chanting "You Arrow." So, for from an acting perspective, it, it took a really long time, and I'm I'm sure that you have a, probably have a similar story, be it in the acting uh, in the acting arena or in the arena arena. There was probably that one match or that one day on set where all of a sudden you just slowed down and you were yourself. Yeah. So I have that in acting. I have that in acting, not quite in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the fact the creativity of the broken arrow chant. That's actually pretty funny. That is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> First and only chant of broken arrow in a wrestling arena thus far. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, let's go back to heels um, and talking about kind of the story of the show. Because once again, like I mentioned, Yellowstone or Walking Dead is a great analogy. Uh, when I was trying to get my wife to watch it with me, and now we watch it all the time, I was like, this is not a show about zombies. It's a show where zombies is kind of the, 
MacGuffin, if you will, the, the crux of the show. But it's really based on the families and the reactions of how people would, you know, survive in this type of an apocalyptic situation. With heels, yeah, there's wrestling involved and there's a lot of it, but it's more about, you know, the two main characters of Jack and Ace. They're brothers and their dad owned the the wrestling company who passed away. Now you got to take it over. I've worked for many Jack Spades uh, over the years. Oh, have you? Okay. A few times, a few times. So you know these types of, I know these types of guys. And it's just, the, 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 like I said, that element of it is, is what really stands out to me is about this family confrontation with wrestling as a background. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to love meth to enjoy Breaking Bad. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, great you, call. Yeah. Or like, or like plane crashes to enjoy Lost or incest to enjoy Game of Thrones. Like you're there <laughs> for the relationships. I, I think. That, that with heels, it comes down to what happens in the ring is fun, but it's it's when you get behind the curtain. Like, do you have a favorite, you know, feud that you went through in your career? I'm sure that you have several of them, but does one oh, yeah, pop there's, out? there's quite a few of them. Right? Well, I mean, the one I'm doing right now with, with MJF has been over almost a year. The one with Kevin Owens was great. The one I had with The Rock in the early 2000s was great. Yep. You know, basically a great a great protagonist and a great antagonist. Right. But the things that made up those feuds and the reason that those are highlights is not necessarily because of stuff that you did in the ring. It's stuff that you guys did in order to build it and build up those emotions. Absolutely. Fans. Right. Sure. So, so that's the thing, you know, heels, it's going to be fun for wrestling fans to see what we do in the ring. We do some really, we do some really fun stuff, but you care about it because of the things that go on behind the scenes and, of course. and the way that we build it up. So yeah, no, you're exactly right. And it's, it's the, it's a wrestling show, but the wrestling is the icing. It's not the cake. Do you feel like um, one of the, the, the cool things about the role is that, like, once again, like I've only seen episode one and what a crazy spoiler alert finish. Like, Oh my gosh, he turns on his brother, selfish bastard. So that he doesn't go to the big leagues with yeah. the, Weird looking guy who looks like he's in one of the Oak Ridge, he's one of the Oak Ridge boys or whatever the hell that guy's name is that comes from the big leagues. But you're almost playing the heel of the show, at least in that episode you did. That's exactly right. By the way, that character uh, is it's Wild Bill, played by Chris Bauer. And at the uh, awesome. opening of episode at the opening of episode four, he uh, he pulls a Ric Flair on a commercial flight. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking I was thinking more Michael Hayes of that guy. He reminds me of Michael okay. Hayes. <laughs> uh it is it different for you? I mean obviously Arrow was such a hero and you were and you were the lead of that show, a very successful show and it's a superhero story. I don't know the, the, this character of of, of Jack uh Spade very conflicted like I said comes off as the heel in the first it, it, that must be kind of is it fun for you to play something a little bit completely different as an actor? I mean, obviously, probably yes, but... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, 100%. One of the reasons that we wrapped up Arrow was because I wanted I wanted to do something different. I feel like you've probably been through similar mm -hmm. similar moments in your life because you've ebbed and flowed through the wrestling industry, and it seems as though every time you come back, you've reinvented yourself in some way. So in the same medium... I've done everything that I did everything that I could do as Oliver Queen as the Green Arrow and I wanted to come in and do something different. So it's it's so much fun to just get out there and play. And the fact that we were able to execute this first season during during this pandemic and I'm just I'm just looking forward to the opportunity to possibly do more episodes where we could actually take the Duffy Dome, which is a it's a sound stage, but it's a legit arena that could probably hold like 1300 people like we mm. can we could if the yankees and the white Sox can play a game in iowa at the field of dreams uh stadium that they right. built we could definitely have a full-on five alarm fire AEW pay-per-view in the duffy dome and it would be <laughs> incredible the duffy dome reminds me of a little bit of a bigger ver version of the pinoca moose hall where I had my first match. <laughs> <laughs> where was that? The Moose Hall. I assume it was in Manitoba. Yeah, no, it was a place called Pinoca, Alberta, which is right in between Edmonton oh, and Calgary. Okay. Yeah, right there. Oh, my like, oh, God. Like, yeah. It's right in between. There's nothing in between. There's nothing just a there. highway in between. There's not even a gas station, but there is a Pinoca <laughs> Moose Hall <laughs> that is there. 
Do you remember how many people were in the crowd? I think about a hundred or so. About a, about a hundred. That's the thing that I've been trying to tell everyone. I'm like, everyone in the business, everyone has wrestled in a Duffy Dome. Yeah. Because yeah, hundred percent. I mean, actually, the Duffy Dome is a lot nicer than places that that you <laughs> wrestle in. But it really reminds me, like I said, when I worked for for Smoky Mountain Wrestling in Knoxville, Tennessee. You know, you're going to Morristown and uh, uh, Hyden, Kentucky and Paintsville, Kentucky and Barberville. And they're just small little towns kind of in these uh, West Virginia, whatever the mountains are called there. I guess the Smoky Mountains. Duh. And there's just a lot of families that are have promotions. Uh, a lot of guys just trying to make a living and, and squeaking out. Like, I love the point where Ace talks about getting paid 50 bucks for the match even though he's working on top and it's like, yeah, that's about right. 50. It's funny how 50 bucks was the kind of minimum fee in 1990. And it's still kind of the minimum fee in 2020 <laughs> inflation has not helped pro wrestling at all. So from your, from your perspective, we, we are being accurate with indie wrestling Absolutely. thus far. Okay. No. And, th- and that's why, that's why I liked it. You know, and it's, it, it's because now there's, there's kind of a few wrestling shows between glow glow was a little bit like kind of glitzy and show. And I love the show, but it was kind of like, I didn't really relate to that. This one is something like I've been there. And like I said, I know guys like ACE and Jack and you know, the guys in the back that are, you know, the, the, the bravado, like, oh, we're going to become millionaires, man. We're going to make it. And you're thinking, this guy, this guy, has he looked in the mirror? Like, what is he even thinking? You know, like the guy, the the the, the big guy with the mask, like the, he's a Mexican guy from freaking Georgia. Oh, whatever yeah, his name that's, is. A, that's, that's my buddy, uh, Robbie Ramos, and he plays Diego Cottonmouth. There you go. Diego Cottonmouth, like the I'm a snake, <laughs> oh, I'm a snake. And it's like, really? So, yeah, it's very accurate with that. But then also the family dynamics. I mean, obviously growing up in Calgary with the Hart family and then, you know, there's the Armstrongs in Pensacola. And there was, you know, the, 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 this this family dynamic really existed all across the country you know, back in the eighties and nineties and, and still kind of does this day. So you guys really are kind of nailing it from my perspective, at least, you know, just kind of, as, as we start to kind of wind down here, being Oliver Queen, like you said, on, on arrow for so long, I always say that wrestling fans, kiss fans, and like comic book fans are super, super loyal, but they're also super crazy in that they love everything, but they hate everything. And, being kind of part of the DC universe, was there like a real loyal fan base that was kind of following everything that you do and also picking it apart at the same time? Yeah, but but I, I don't I wouldn't say that they're crazy. Mm-hmm. I would say that they they have they have one very simple expectation of you, be it a wrestling fan, a Kiss fan, or a comic book fan. Can you just give a shit? They just want you to give a shit. Mm-hmm. They want you to give a shit and they want you to try. You might do a feud. In AW, WWE, whatever, and maybe it's not the top of the card, and and maybe it doesn't, maybe it doesn't, uh, you know, pop the crowd the way that you want to, and maybe it's not, it's not a highlight of your career. But wrestling fans are going to know if you're involved in giving a shit or if you're phoning it in. It's the same with comic book fans. We did eight seasons of Arrow, and any big fan of the show will be like, I like season one and two, three was okay, four sucked, five was great, six was eh, seven was awesome, and right. eight was a nice ending. And I mean, would they go back and watch season four? Probably not, but at no point in time did anyone ever say to me, oh, you phoned that one in. No, we didn't. It just didn't work creatively the way that we wanted it to. So I'm fine with that expectation because in any walk of life that I go through, if I'm interacting with someone, whatever their vocation is, the outcome might not be what I want. But as long as I see that that person's putting in an honest effort, okay, fine. I'm good with it. Yeah. And the thing is too, like, I, like when I was a kid, I was a big DC guy and I always loved the green arrow because I just like kind of, uh, I love the green arrow and the Aquaman because they were kind of ancillary characters. And now, you know, I just like the fact he had an arrow for everything. It's like, no matter what it was, he could (laughs) make an arrow. I need, I can't believe it. We're out of molasses. I have a molasses arrow. I will shoot it into the batter and we'll have pancakes. Like whatever it could be. I love the fact that you were able to take this character and make it into such a huge hit uh, for so many years. 
I mean, obviously, as an actor, you're, you're taking the role because it's a it's a lead role in a TV show. But what did you want to bring to this character? And were you a fan of comics and the Green Arrow when you were a kid, as you were for wrestling? I wasn't a fan of the Green Arrow as a kid. I read a lot of Superman, Spawn, Lobo. Hmm. I never read Marvel, and I never watched WCW. <laughs> it's a weird okay. thing. I, I was I was a WWF and a DC guy before I even knew that I was a WWF and a DC guy. That was a Canadian thing, though. We didn't really have WCW in Canada. I never really watched it either. Well, there it is. There it is. Yeah. I remember. I remember picking up like Pro Wrestling Illustrated, you know, during a summer break, and looking at the magazine and going. Who the f- is Ric Flair? Yeah. Who are the Von Erics? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know. You don't know who's Dusty Rhodes. Like, yeah. to me, Dusty Rhodes was a guy that showed up in WWE in like 1989. Yeah, with the polka dots. Yeah, exactly. With the polka dots, I had no idea. So I, I didn't know a ton about the Green Arrow. I got hired in a spot where it, it was just like we think you're the guy for the job. We have a specific idea for the pilot and for the first season. And it was very much themed after the Nolan Batman trilogy. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just like, whatever you guys want me to do, I'll do. And I I didn't really get into the history of the character. It wasn't until the show came out and was a little bit of a hit. And then in the later seasons, we started to get to imbue some of that. But if we ever to start it again, I would want to be way more onto the comics more than we did Hmm. but honestly man in that first season i know this sounds simplistic i was just trying to get through the day and not suck (laughs) i mean for me the the first season of that and playing a character with such a rich history was not very much different than any of my wrestling matches just like can we fake it and hope that people like it and then towards the end i started to become more protective of the character and oliver queen and the Green Arrow, such a such a rich character, and I hope that I was a good caretaker for it, and that someone else in the future can go and grow the goatee in a proper way, and and do all the comic-y stuff. You need the blonde goatee that he had with the pointed. That's right. Thing. Yeah. I tried. I tried. I tried multiple times to grow the goatee during a <laughs> hiatus, and I'd get I'd get halfway in, and my wife would just go, no. no. No, yeah, no, no, I'm not no, dealing you. with this thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> was there ever any talk of you doing Green Arrow in, in like one of the Justice League movies or anything like that? Because I don't think he's ever been on screen. Yeah, there was uh, multiple times. And this is not the politically correct thing to say, but it seemed as though WB and DC couldn't get it out of their own way. Oh, <laughs> did I just say that out loud? <laughs> Yeah, there there was there there was talk about it. There was talk about there was talk about a movie. There was there was talk about a bunch of things, and they couldn't get out of their own way. And mm-hmm. then the moment that I was leaving the show, all of a sudden Ezra Miller is showing up on the last episode of Arrow, and they're merging the universes. And uh, and I remember having I had multiple meetings, 2013, 14, 15, talking about all of this, and it had the support of a bunch of people who are the best at what they do in terms of DC products right now. And it just had a couple of other people that were like, no, we can't do that. Well, they could of, and they have thereafter. So maybe that's reflective of me, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. It sucked because what do you want? Like as someone that's producing content, you want fans to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So just do stuff that do stuff. That's going to make the fans happy me being involved in the movies would have made the fans happy or Grant Gustin or Melissa Benoist or doesn't matter. Or David Ramsey, if they're doing a green lantern series for HBO max and they want to bring him in, that's going to make the fans happy, but they mm-hmm. couldn't, I don't know. They seem like the they were politics. cutting off the nose despite their face. Sure. I guess, but who's yeah, whatever. I don't know. Above my pay grade. Right. <laughs> Last couple of questions. Will you ever have another match again, do you think? I don't know, Chris. I'm flirting with divorce if I get back in the ring. Oh, <laughs> now you got that to worry about, right? So no goatee and no match. No goatee, no goatee, no match, except that except that I, I actually would I would really like to get back in the ring simply because you know I've actually finally done some good training. And you know, I'd love to get back 
I would love to get back to the ring and just be able to, like we talked about earlier, be present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with more experience. But I would need someone like you. I would need someone like you to take care of me. I'll guide you through it, kid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Last two questions. What's your favorite match that you've ever seen? And what's your favorite role you've ever played that's not the arrow? Uh, live? Match-wise, either one. Live or, or watching on, on pay-per-view or TV or whatever. In terms of live match, it's a tie between – oh, boy. Might be a, it might be a three-way tie. Jake the Snake and the Million Dollar Man at WrestleMania <laughs> six. Nice. I was in the, in the building, Hogan versus Rock at 18. Nice, yeah. It was not the main event of that show, but was the match that uh, – It was that, the match everyone came it. to see, let's be honest. <laughs> I felt I felt a little bad for you and Hunter. That was hey, you want to you, you want to talk politics? I said we cannot go on after Hogan and Rock. It's a suicide mission, and he was like, "No, the championship must go on last." And I was like, "Dude, y- you know, you, I wouldn't want to box after Tyson and Ali either." And that's what we've got going on right here. So I I'm with you, man. I I also felt bad. The, the match right after that was was Trish Stratus yeah. winning. Winning the winning the well, I guess at the time the Divas Championship, like yeah, in her hometown, love Trish, and so there's that. And God damn it, did I lo- I rewatched the Cody and Dustin match? Oh, from, yeah. from double or from double or nothing. nothing. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I, I I don't think that there's ever been storytelling like that. I just I thought it was so wonderful. I loved it. Amazing. Absolutely amazing! An incredible moment for sure. What What was yours growing up before you got before you got into Savage it? Savage and Steamboat WrestleMania three? That was the one I always loved the most, and I, I love the Rockers and and uh, you know Owen Hart and those guys. But Savage Steamboat was still the one I can still watch that today and appreciate that as a fan, you know, uh, and you know as a professional as well. But as a fan, I can still get in, engrossed into that. Still the classic cool. classic. So. And what's your favorite role that you've ever played that that's not Arrow? Jeez, uh, I played uh, a guy named Kyle on the first season of New Girl. Remember that show? New Girl. I don't. It was a, it was a Zoe Deschanel and oh, okay, yeah, it, yeah, 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 sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I love that because I got to I got to do comedy, and I, I got super high on mushrooms or something <laughs> as the character. <laughs> And it was just, it just got to do the scene in like a park in, uh, in LA, in LA where I'm just on a swing. Uh, my character's dating, uh, my friend Hannah Simone and I'm going on the swing saying, I love brown people. I love brown people like that as I'm going up and down. That was a blast. So Kyle, Kyle. well, dude, uh, it's been great talking to you and I'm glad that our DMS finally paid off and, uh, congratulations on heels. It's a great show. And uh, hopefully we'll see you at one of our shows again one of these days and get to say hi again in person. Oh, I was going to try and be there. Well, I don't know when this is going to air. I was going to try to be there this evening, but uh, but I, I can't. But I'm hoping to see you guys when you get to uh, Flushy Meadows, New York in September. Is that Arthur Ashe Stadium? Uh-huh. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Awesome, is that man. is that what I can – Is can I debut the uh, – Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Yeah, that's the Fuyuki pose. <laughs> Don't forget the name, the Fuyuki pose, the come on, baby. The, the Fuyuki pose. Could you do, do me a favor. Bring that back the next chance you get. Oh, I, do, I use it from time to time. Uh, maybe I'll, okay, throw it in, okay. uh, I'll throw it in my next match just for you. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> what a pleasure, my friend. Thank you, dude. Great to talk to you, man. All right. Okay. Bye-bye.